And every time um, when a solution is found, it's because someone steps up. That is the key of leadership. Under pressure is when you develop this capacity to act fast, to be creative. Leadership is also about understanding when to stop. Welcome back to the hashtag leadership is also about podcast. In this podcast, we talk about the core of Isaac, leadership development, exploring what does youth leadership and leadership development mean, especially in the current context of the world we live in, the outbreak of COVID-19 being a very, very big part on our minds right now. In the last three episodes, we talked with very exciting guests from Isaac International about how we are leading Isaac through these times, through these uncertain times. But also we already started to talk about two of our leadership development qualities, being solution-oriented and empowering others. Today, the topic is self-awareness, uh, which is one of our four leadership uh, development qualities and which is a fundamental pillar of leadership. And to me, I think it's it's the one uh, where everything starts when it comes to leadership development, being self-aware. So it's about how to be able to lead and how does self-awareness look like for someone in their 20s. And today as a guest to explore this topic together with me, we are joined by Ella, who leads organizational strategy at Isaac International. Ella is someone who has had a very interesting leadership and self-discovery journey herself, both in Isaac and outside of Isaac. But we'll explore this in a second as well. Ella, welcome to our show. Hello, and thank you so much for having me. It's really, really nice to be here. Before we, before we talk about how your leadership journey has been, tell us what does leadership mean to you? say that for me, leadership is the art of motivating a group of people towards achieving a common goal. But in order to do that, you need to really capitalize on your strengths. And in order to capitalize on your strengths, you need to understand what your strengths really are. And for me, this is where self-awareness comes into place. Then if you think about your leadership journey so far, tell us about a moment you realized that you were really developing this awareness of yourself. If I think of my leadership journey, I would actually have to identify three main moments that really, really made me more self-aware. The first moment is right before I joined ISEC when I went on my first exchange to Sri Lanka. And it was my first time to be outside of Europe. And how I really became more self-aware in this experience is for the first time in my whole life, I was, first of all, without the people I know and without the habits and traditions that I was raised in. So everything was completely different. And I think in such moments, you really understand yourself more because you are only left with the core of you. Everything else that is cultural or everything else that you are because of people around you just did not exist back then. The second moment when I really became more self-aware was when I first led the team. And everyone who has been a leader in their life knows that it's a very, very rocky ride. And for me, it was the most wonderful ride of all of them. But only when you serve the people and you actually interact with other people, you have an opportunity to learn what they think of you and how they see you, which also contributes to your self-awareness. And the last moment that I really have to mention is the first time I led the multinational team. Because for the first time in my life, I could really notice what are the things that I have in me because of the way I was raised or because of where I was raised. 
So these were the three moments that I would say really, really shaped me as a person and made me definitely more self-aware. Now, when you mentioned the first point uh, on your first volunteer experience in Sri Lanka, I can I can totally relate. Also, in 2015, I went to Bolivia to live there for six months. Also, first time leaving home for six months, and like you're exposed to so many new things, right? That really make you reflect or learn for yourself. It only happened for me when I actually came back, right? Not in the moment itself. It was just like. <gasps> A challenge. I don't like this. Oh, I don't, I like this. But uh, then after coming back and spending some time thinking about it, it also has been for me the the biggest uh, development opportunity so far. Yes, and actually, people say that it's called a reverse culture shock. So I will also never forget the first moment uh, when I came back to Poland after my exchange in Sri Lanka. The first day when I was just crossing the streets and being in my regular environment, it just really felt weird, and I really felt out of place as well. Totally, totally. Um, now I want to have a little bit more actionable question for everyone who's listening right now. How can you actively develop this self-awareness we are talking about? I think it's a very interesting question because I don't think there is just one way that fits all, right? Each of us is different, so probably each of us will have a very different way of developing this self-awareness. But if I have to think of myself and of the things that really helped me, is, um, first of all, I would say, get to know who you truly are without uh, people around you and without this influence around you, right? Because everyone in the end influences us. So I think especially in the current state, being at home, uh, being surrounded by less people than usual, I think it's a perfect opportunity for it. And of course, there are a lot of personality tests and websites or courses that help you become more self-aware. But if you don't want to do that, then I would encourage you to just go through self-reflection and ask yourself three main questions. The first one is, what are my top three values? When am I at my best? And when am I at my worst? And I think this already gives you a very good foundation. And um, the second option is also asking all the people that you've ever worked with or you've been around, and especially people that knew you in very different situations, because they will see you with very, very different perspectives. But the picture altogether is going to be who you probably are. And lastly, I would just encourage everyone to take as many opportunities as possible to be out of their comfort zone. For example, if you study uh, or you're at school and there is an opportunity to become a team leader of the project, then take it. Even if you don't feel like you're ready for it, this will be your ultimate opportunity to develop more self-awareness. How many times did you think yourself about those three questions you mentioned? My values, what am I good at and what am I not good at? To be very honest, I think I think about it at least once per month. But uh, a very funny fact is that I never thought about these before I joined ISEC. So ISEC was my enabler to actually start thinking about these things. But maybe uh, outside of ISEC, we don't really have such opportunities. So I would like to encourage everyone who maybe never reflected on them to actually take this step right now. Yeah. Then tell us, how did you end up leading strategy at the world's largest youth-led organization in the global office in Montreal, Canada? So, well, it's a quite a long journey. <laughs> uh, I think I have to start uh, with my upbringing. So I was born in Poland, but the most important part of my upbringing were my parents, because both of them were professors. So they really emphasized the importance of education, but also the importance of learning. 
And I will never forget my dad always asking me about what I can do to be more curious about the world and to learn more about the world. And that kind of made me uh, join my studies first as a civil engineer. Uh, I finished studies in civil engineering. And then I thought that it's not really enough for me. So I started also a master's in business administration with the focus on organizational development. And after being uh, a part of National Committee of ISAC in Egypt and then the president of ISAC in Poland, um, I also thought that education is something that I'm truly passionate about. And I started the PhD uh, that is actually related to uh, human resources management and the nonprofit sector. And I think all these experiences summed up to me being selected as the responsible for organizational strategy uh, in the global office of ISAC. Can you tell us a little bit what you do as the global head of strategy for Isaac? Yes. I would say the biggest responsibility I have right now, which is very exciting because of the context, as we are entering the year 2020, we are finishing our current uh, long-term strategy. It's called Isaac 2020. And because I'm responsible for organizational strategy in such context, I have an opportunity to also design and run a process of designing the next long-term strategy for ISAC until the year 2025. So I would say this is the biggest responsibility that I currently have on my plate. Sounds very interesting, very exciting during these times. Now, you mentioned it, you went through a lot of different, uh, let's say, areas or uh, potential careers, right? Uh, civil engineering, business administration, strategy, organizational strategy, human resources. How does... Um, how does self-awareness fit into this leadership development? Was it maybe a factor that you decided to go from civil engineering to, to business administration, to HR? And um, yeah, reflect on that a little bit. I actually think that definitely self-awareness played a huge role in me deciding to take up uh, completely different studies and uh, also in me actually deciding to pursue my PhD. And I think all of these things happened when I was already a part of ISAC. And obviously, ISAC is an amazing place to develop your self-awareness. And in my case, also, it was a place that made me realize that maybe civil engineering is not something that I want to necessarily pursue in the future. Because I like to finish things, I still made sure that I finished my studies. And uh, I decided to uh, take up another subject and another faculty. Uh, but I think that something that I'm really grateful for is that, especially nowadays, uh, once you decide that this is not something that you want to pursue or what you do right now is not necessarily what makes you happy, then you always have the opportunity to change and turn things around. And I think once you're self-aware, it brings you way more answers to where you could go, right? And I think self-awareness also comes with age and experiences. So I think it's really never too late to actually turn your life around and do something that truly makes you happy. And I guess then it's also really, it's a continuous thing, right? And self-awareness or in general, leadership development will never stop in your life. Once you stop, you lose it and you have to get it back. Exactly. I agree 100%. And I think I have such example every day at home uh, looking at my parents. They are already in quite, quite advanced age. But what I can say is that every day I see them learning new things. And I see them striving to learn new things. Because I also think that these learnings don't just magically happen to you. You have to actually pursue them. And I see them doing that. And because my parents are true role models to me, I really hope that I will continue this self-awareness development journey throughout my whole life. 
Now, I would like to just shortly come back to the three questions you already put out there. And um, would you mind sharing with us the answers of those three questions of yourself? What are your top three values right now? What are you good at? And what are you not good at? That's a very, very, very interesting question. So um, I would say that my three top values have, have stayed the same throughout the past few years. So my top value is freedom. And then uh, the second top value is passion. And the last one is curiosity. So I would say these things really drive me throughout my life, uh, inside my job, inside my daily life. And they haven't changed, at least in the past few years. But when it comes to things that I'm good at and the things that I'm not that good at or uh, things that make me at my best or at my worst, I think these things really evolve. So I can only answer based on the current context. I think currently what really makes me uh, at my best is, first of all, being surrounded by people who really support me. Uh, second, feeling that uh, I have a purpose in my work and feeling that what I do is truly useful for, for others and also being able to utilize my knowledge and at the same time also being very challenged. I think these things really make me at my best. When it comes to things that make me at my worst, I think right now it's uh, probably the environment. I And I talk about physical environment. So when I'm in an environment that is uh, dirty, maybe disorganized, I think this really affects me. Uh, one more thing is lack of trust when I don't feel trust coming from people. And in the end, I would also say lack of engagement uh, from other people. I think these are the things that really make me at my worst and make me not perform in my job uh, that good. Why does being challenged brings out the best for you? I think it could be actually related to my personality. I think I'm a person who is truly driven by a challenge and is a person who needs a challenge to actually kind of prove to myself that I can overcome it that I can solve a very complex problem. So especially in my role, challenges are very present in everyday job. Uh, and I think this is something that really keeps me going. And I'm extremely grateful for having an opportunity to work in such job. Let's talk a little bit more about your current job, um, creating the long-term strategy at ISEC, uh, the five-year roadmap for the next generations to come. Um, what have you learned about yourself during this process so far? I think I learned a lot of things, but I think the biggest thing I learned is that self-awareness is also about self-trust and self-trust needs to be nurtured. So it's completely natural that when you are in a role that really requires a lot from you and that is truly challenging, it's normal to question yourself. And especially when you have a lot of things uh, and a lot of work where not always one answer is the right one, when there are multiple answers that could be potentially good, and you still have to take a decision and make a choice, I think in this moment especially, you are very prone to questioning yourself. And we very often mention the imposter syndrome, right? So I think that uh, I learned that self-trust is extremely important because in the end, even when people around me trust me, if I don't trust myself, I'm still going to sabotage my work. So self-trust is extremely important, but it takes daily work and daily reminders and really managing your thoughts to develop this trust. Do you have a tip for someone listening who's maybe struggling with the self-trust? Um, and I guess then it's also really about um, having enough uh, believing in oneself as well, right? I, th I feel like that's heavily connected. Do you have some recommendations for people listening who might struggle with that right now? So usually people say that the easiest way to nurture self-trust is to talk to others, to talk to people who are your biggest cheerleaders. 
But why I don't always agree with it is because this negative self-talk comes from within, then even if other people tell you how good you are, you don't believe it, right? So I would say the only true way to build this self-trust is by truly monitoring your kind of thought process and truly catching yourself every time you try to sabotage your trust, right, towards yourself. And I think one thing that also keeps me going and builds more trust is every time I go back to the process of me being selected and every time I tell myself, hey, look, you've really done your best and you are here for a reason. So it's not good for you to simply not have this trust towards yourself. I think these are the things that really help me going. All right. Now, I'm curious. You talk about uh, designing the next five-year uh, strategy for Isaac, right? So you think a lot about the future. I guess every day you think about where do we want to be in five years, in 10 years, in 15 years. And of course, right now we have COVID-19 uh, happening, coronas all around the world. Everyone is thinking about it and it's a lot of uncertainty. It's very difficult to look into the future and it's also very difficult to predict the future not even the next five years but the next three months we don't know what where where are we going to be in the next five months and if we can actually contain this pandemic um how does it feel for you to plan ahead for the next five years while COVID-19 is happening right now okay first let's get one thing straight it's a hell of a challenge <laughs> and that's for sure it's a fact um, and the process has to be reiterated so many times. And it adds even more uncertainty to something which is already uncertain, right? Because without these uh, circumstances, it would already be very difficult to answer how do you want to see such a huge global organization five years from now? So it's a huge challenge, I have to admit. But as you already know, challenges uh, are something that uh, drives me. Um, but in the end, I really believe that we can look at it as an opportunity. So um, it's an impulse to ask ourselves questions that we normally wouldn't. So it really, really can help us to drive the organization forward. So I tend to see the positive aspects of it. And I choose to believe that this could actually be a very good moment for the organization to ask and answer the questions that we always put away. So I'm really happy about it. And I'm glad that we have this opportunity. Well, maybe I wish we didn't need a pandemic to do it, but well, I just hope that we can take the best out of it. Do you feel positive or negative about the future then? I am positive about the future. Um, I think that future will be different, right? So this is something that makes us negative because people are naturally resistant to change. And change is scary. Of course it is. So obviously it is not that positive when we think about our lives being completely different. But we will learn to live in the new normal. And in some years, it will become the absolute normal. Maybe we will not even remember how life was before. So I see it as a positive thing, because I really hope that at least as humanity, we will learn from the crisis. And then where do you see Isaac in the next five years? So um, first, I'm seeing Isaac as an organization that um, will continue developing leadership in youth and will empower more and more youth leaders. Secondly, I hope it will be built on very sustainable foundation, which enables it to be long-lasting. And lastly, I would say, I hope it will capitalize on the power of collaboration and develop more and more purposeful partnerships. Let's let's hope we'll get there, even though uh, of the whole situation right now. Did you, by the way, had to change some of your ideas, for example, if you think about the next five years? 
kind of adapting to COVID-19 or uh, is that independent of that for you? Yes, there are some things that definitely have to change because we cannot ignore the situation we are in. But there are also some things that don't really change. So the things that are related more to the vision of the organization and uh, our journey towards the achievement of the vision are things that most probably will not get affected because anyways, this is more an aspirational state. But then how we get there or the actual strategy we're going to follow is something that definitely, definitely has to be adapted to current context. Yeah. And then on the personal side, what does the leader, Ella, look like in five years? Where do you see bring in all this leadership experiences you went through, the development you went through, the self-awareness uh, you've, you've developed? Where do you see yourself in five years? So to be very honest, I see myself following my uh, parents' path and uh, getting involved in academia. Um, and five years from now, I see myself truly capitalizing on every aspect of the leadership I developed in ISEC to promote and deliver education uh, to young people in Poland. And I'm just hoping I could be one of these professors which really positively influence you as a student, right? All of us have this one person or a few teachers that they just remember not because they were too easy on the students, but because they were just really, really competent in what they were doing. Yeah, very interesting to hear your uh, that you want to go into the in, back into academia, right? After going out there in the world, um, especially in that young age, still it's like, no, I want to go back in academia and really give back in education, which is. Well, last episode I talked with David, who's the head of innovation at at, uh, and you're closely working together with him, right? And he mentioned in the the outcomes of the YouSpeak survey, where we found out that quality education, as sustainable development goal number four, is one of the most, um, how do we put it, uh, the the one of the most desired SDGs to contribute to for young people. Yes, that's true, and I think that uh, my let's say, preference to actually contribute to education was there before. And it really comes uh, to my upbringing and mostly to my parents and what kind of role models they were. But I really think that uh, it's also okay for all the young people, even if they feel like they are not really interested in contributing to education. I think all of us can really find a field that they are really passionate about. And in the end, I think that's the most important, to really do something and contribute to something that you're passionate about. If it's biology, then it should be biology. If it's chemistry, it should be. If it's public policy, then it definitely should be. Just anything that makes your heart really, really race and makes you extremely excited. And then I also think the sustainable development goals they are so broad 17 of them you can relate almost anything to to those to to connect it to social impact innovation to have a positive impact on on the world through your passion definitely and i think they could be a good guide for people to actually decide uh, what they would like to contribute to in terms of improving the world and society and yes they are very broad so i think everyone will find something for themselves but also, I think if we find something for ourselves and maybe we find a goal that we want to contribute to, it would be probably also good to read, uh, let's say, the smaller elements that they comprise of so that we are really aware on what are the actions we can undertake to truly, truly contribute. 
I mean, I think we couldn't relate it better to self-awareness, right? It's it's all about the self-awareness at the end, finding out what you would like to do, your passions, how can you contribute it and really find your spot or your where does your puzzle piece fit into the puzzle, right? And it I, all starts with self-awareness. I definitely couldn't agree more. <laughs> nice. All right, Ella. Um, we already, already almost reached the end of our episode. Um, but as our listeners right now know already after three episodes, we still have two very important sections coming up. The first one where um, I would love you to finish three sentences I prepared. And then the last one, the expected rapid fire. Okay? Perfect. I'm ready. Then let's, let's start with the sentences. First, if one of the members of Isaac is listening to me right now, I want them to know that self-awareness is? Potentially one single most important factor leading to success, both in career and life. For any young person listening to this right now, I want to tell them that? It is completely okay if you don't know yet who you are and what you want to pursue. But be proactive in searching for opportunities to find it out. If we had all the leaders of the world in this room right now, I would want to tell them that? Leadership is truly the solution for all the current world issues. But leadership also starts with self. And it is not defined by a title. It is defined by a set of qualities. It cannot be taught. It can only be learned. I would just encourage all of them to reflect on their own leadership and its impact on the society first. Thank you for that. Now let's move to the rapid fire. And again, a small summary that rapid fire is really about discovering your leadership style. Who are you as a leader? Because, well, I think everyone agrees with that, that leadership, there's no one size fits all leadership style. And everyone has a little bit of a different leadership style. And like, just like you mentioned, everyone can be a leader, right? It's not a, it's not a question of can I be or can I not be? It's a question of what kind of leader will you be? So I'm going to give you again two options. It's rapid fire. So I encourage you to answer as fast as possible. Not a lot of thinking to really get to know you. Uh, and let's, uh, let's uh, get to know Ella. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. Get up or press the snooze button. Get up. Party or Netflix? Netflix. Podcast or Netflix? Netflix. <laughs> Corporate or startup? Startup. Pizza or burger? Pizza. Cat person or dog person? Uh, both, but can be cat person. My Isaac or Expa? Expa. <laughs> Introvert or extrovert? Well, ambivert. What? Ambivert. This is basically, let's say, a good balance between extrovert and introvert. Also something new for me to learn here. Um, world citizen or empowering others? Empowering others. Self-aware or solution-oriented? <laughs> Self-aware, of course. Lead from the front or lead from the back? Well, lead from the back. Bottom-up or top-down? Bottom-up. Visionary or pragmatic? Definitely pragmatic. Thinking or feeling? Probably thinking. On stage or off stage? Probably on stage. Direct or conflict avoidance? Conflict avoidance. 
Idealistic or realistic? That's a very difficult one. I would say realistic, but also idealistic at times. Data-driven or people-driven? Oof, I get difficult. Um, I think data-driven. Why data-driven? It's a very difficult question. I think it's just because I'm extremely rational and I'm extremely logical. And also I studied civil engineering. So <laughs> simply I love data and I love calculations, but also I'm very people-driven. So this was a very difficult one for me. But that's all already it. You made it through the rapid fire uh, as well. Woo! I think right now we already start to discover in, in the fourth episode um, that everyone has a little bit of a different uh, combination uh, of those leadership traits, characteristics, styles. Um, but Ella, thanks a lot for joining me on the show. I think it's uh, incredibly interesting to get to know you, your leadership journey, really exploring a lot of different Uh, different areas in life and also potential career path, right? Then deciding to go back to education, all kind of driven by your self-awareness and continuing to discover what you would like to do. Um, also staying connected, right? Being aware, yes, I'm going through all of this. I started in education and I will go back to education at the end. Um, I think a great role model for everyone out there to, to be encouraged to explore more, more one, oneself Asked again to, to summarize the three questions. What are your top three values? What are you good at? And what are you not good at? And continue to do this because it's a continuous process. So Ella, thanks a lot for being on the show. Thank you so much. I had a lot of fun. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.